Certainly glad to be here this morning. I thank God for the safety of our trip and thank God for the opportunity that he's giving us. And uh, before I preach, I'm going to pray. Father, to thee we come with a thankful heart. We love you, Lord, with all of our heart. We love you, Father of heaven, for the things of the past that you've blessed us with and the things you delivered us from and the things you brought us through. And we ask that thou would help us here once again this morning. I pray, Father of heaven, that thou will help me to be able to say something that will be of a help to someone that's here. Guide my mind, direct my thoughts, and I will give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. been praying for the congregation a lot, almost every day, I think every day actually, that God will guide you and direct you in the selection of another pastor to come here and to uh, fulfill the obligations of a pastor and there's lots of things that I've had on my heart and mind and uh, last time I was here was one of those and And this morning, again, is something that was impressed upon my mind while praying for the congregation. And I don't want to begin, I'll begin by saying that when choosing a pastor, there's more to consider than his ability to preach. You know, uh, the candidates, whoever they are, and uh, there's not a wide field out there really to choose from, but when they come and uh, introduce themselves and preach, uh, a preacher, uh, pastor should have the ability to preach. The Bible says, apt to teach. And so that is, a, that is part of the qualification of a pastor. But there's something more important than that, and that is his character. Investigate his character. Check into his character. One way of doing that is, does he have a reputation of being a man of integrity? Those who knew him best, what do they think about him? What is their, what is their estimate of him? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is having a good reputation. My text is found in Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, just one verse, the first verse. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. A good name here is referring to a good reputation. It's referring, my friend, to... Uh, what people think about him, what uh, the, the valuation, the estimate that people have, and especially those that know him the best. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. There's something very valuable about a good name. A good name is something that's intangible. It's, uh, it's not, you, can't, you can't put your hand on it. It's not, it's not material. It's nothing that, that you can uh, see as far as, you know, like 
I'm seeing this microphone, but it's an intangible thing, but it is to be chosen and preferred rather than tangible wealth. An honorable reputation is valued above great riches and much wealth. Here in this passage of scripture, it's telling us that uh, a good name is rather to be preferred than great riches. You know, excuse me just a minute. A good name is very valuable. Some people don't, don't really see it that way. They, they have the attitude that they don't care what people think about them. They don't care what others may think. But a good, a good name or a good reputation is very valuable. Somebody said, why? Well, one of the reasons is because you cannot buy it. A good reputation uh, is not up for sale, but yet it has to be earned. And it's earned, my friend, by the way that we live, the way we talk, our choices in life, the things, my friend, that we do in our everyday life and, and uh, in, within the kingdom of God. Of all the losses that you can incur, the loss of a good reputation is among one of the most severe losses. The loss of a good name, my friend, is, is a terrible loss. I've known people who for one thing or another have lost their good name. Some, some because of money. I've known of, of, of one preacher that had an excellent, I mean an excellent reputation until one act. And by the way, reputations can be built on one act. If that act is of such a magnitude that it, it really affects how people think about him or her. But anyway, this preacher had an excellent reputation. I mean, super excellent. And then it came, my friend, to a, a financial situation that, in, uh, that uh, involved an inheritance. And he made the wrong choice. At first, he made the wrong choice. And later he changed that. But the damage was done. He chose, my friend, to, to have material wealth. Uh, years ago, maybe 15 years ago, there was a good friend, a fella that uh, came to the congregation where I pastored, and uh, he had a house. Actually, he owned, he owned uh, two or three homes, but they were rental properties, and he offered to give me this. He said he'd ask, he'd ask his parents, and they agreed with him, and, uh, but I refused it. I refused. I said, no, no. Uh, and somebody told me one time, said, boy, that's, that's worth several thousand, tens of thousands, actually, dollars. And said, why would you give that up? I said, because I do not want to appear as a greedy preacher. <laughs> There's some things that are lawful. 
and that there was nothing unlawful about this. I had just been a great blessing, and I still am to that person. I talk to them on the uh, on average about once a week, sometimes twice a week, and I'm a good friend. And he wanted to do this. There was nothing illegal. Uh, it just because he appreciated me. But I decided not to do that. There was just too much money involved. If that gets out, you know, uh, people's going to form an opinion about me. If I had accepted that property, they would have formed an opinion about me. Some of them who would be misinformed would think that I was simply accepting that because I could, because of my position, because of my influence over this man, and, and I did not want to live with that. <laughs> I did not want to live with that. And so I declined. I'm talking about, my friend, guarding our reputation, guarding our good name. I remember, <clears throat> I, I think uh, I've told you about this, but one time I was called to preach a revival and the pastor, about a month before I was going to go there, the pastor called me up and said, Brother Yoder, the family that you're going to stay with, uh, the husband, there's two days that the husband uh, has to go to work and it's just going to be you and his wife in the house at the same time. And he said, what, what is that? Is that acceptable with you? And I said, no, that's not acceptable. He said, well, she's a good woman. She, there's nothing to fear. I said, I'm not afraid of that. I'm afraid of what people will think. I'm afraid, my friend, of the opinion that people may form. And I told him this. I said, I don't only want to do what is right, I want to look right. Now, I don't know whether you understand that. But how you look, my friend, people, the only thing people know about you, they cannot look into your heart. They cannot see the secrets of your heart. The only thing they have to look at is your observable behavior. What they observe, what they see in your behavior and my friend, when that behavior brings doubt, casts a shadow, that undermines people's confidence, that undermines people's trust in you. And a good name, my friend, is worth the sacrifice that it takes to keep it, the sacrifice it takes to get it. Amen? A reputation comes from your actions. Uh, and somebody said, what do you mean by observable behavior? It's how you live in front of others. It's what they see. It's what they see. And your reputation comes from that. The Bible says in Proverbs, the 20th chapter, Proverbs 20th chapter and verse number 11, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure or whether it be right. Even children get a reputation by how they do. 
what they do. And the same is true of all of us. We get a reputation, my friend, by our doings. And if you lose your good name and your good reputation, you must earn it all over again. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the price of losing your good name. You have, to, you have to regain it and earn it all over again. And somebody said, how do you do that? Well, you regain a good reputation or a good name by living a holy life for as long as it takes. Sometimes a reputation can be uh, regained in a short period. Other times it takes a long time. Sometimes it takes years. And I say again, my friend, to lose your reputation as a godly person or as a person of integrity would be far worse than going bankrupt. You know, money, money can be replaced and regained, but a good reputation sometimes, depending upon the magnitude of the mistake, the sin, or what you've done, the magnitude of it, sometimes you can never regain it. Never regain it. And I say again that we ought to realize this. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. This expression, loving favor here, means esteem. Uh, esteem is the best word I know. I, I looked it up yesterday and, and studied definitions and so on. But esteem is the best word I come up with, the, that what the writer meant here. The fact that scriptures say concerning spiritual leaders said, esteem them highly in love. And esteem is, is the value. It's what we think about the person. It's the appreciation that we have for that person. And that, that's what the writer's saying here, that that esteem is much more valuable than silver and gold. A reputation, I say again, can, can be earned by possessing a particular character. Sometimes, you know, a child gets a reputation because they have a particular character. Maybe they are a whiner. Maybe they are uh, somebody that is easy. They laugh easy. You know, I have children and grandchildren both that they laugh easy and, and they get the reputation for the way that they act. And a particular character, or as I said, even by a single act. I want to just mention a couple of familiar uh, Bible examples of this. Uh, some, first of all, some Bible names that have a bad reputation. When I say Judas, something comes to your mind. The name means something. And your name means something too. Your name means something. When somebody mentions your name uh, among people that know you, something 
comes to their mind. Your name means something. And Judas, to me, the best way to describe him is a traitor. He betrayed Jesus. He'd done it for a little bit of silver, 30 pieces of silver. And he, he couldn't live with that. And he tried to make it right, but in Judas' case, once he made that decision, it could not be unmade. You know, as my wife used to say, you can't unring a bell. Once it's rang, it's rang. And that's the way it was with Judas. Once he made his decision, it was over. It was done. And he couldn't live with that and actually committed suicide. Jezebel. What's that name? That name means something. Jezebel. Uh, to call somebody a Judas or Jezebel, I mean, it has a meaning. And Jezebel, of course, was one of the extremely wicked women in the Bible. And she's been used in various ways to illustrate different things. Lot, the nephew of Abraham, Lot, morally weak man, a morally weak man. He, for financial advancement, he chose the best pasture field so his, his cattle and his uh, sheep could be fattened, and he chose Sodom as the marketplace because it was a good market, but he lived to regret it. He's morally weak. Demas. Demas was one of the... Uh, Helpers of the Apostle Paul. He traveled with the Apostle Paul to various Gentile churches. And he was with Paul in, in establishing some of those early churches in the New Testament. But then Paul wrote, said, Demas, Demas has forsaken me, loving this present world. Demas, my friend, his name brings up the idea of a quitter. One who just quits and goes back on God. That's, that's some examples of bad reputation. There's also some biblical names with a good uh, reputation. Daniel, that name, oh, Daniel. That's faithfulness and consistent in prayer. Ruth. Who left her homeland to come with her mother-in-law to the land of Israel, Neoma. Ruth was loyal to Neoma after her husband had died. And God blessed Ruth by allowing her to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. <laughs> she was not an Israelite. She came from a pagan country. But Ruth, loyalty, Jonathan, that's uh, King Saul's son who befriended David. He, David and Jonathan made a covenant of friendship. And Jonathan 
was faithful to that friendship and provided, actually provided David with assistance to escape the death threats that Saul had against him. Job, patient, faithful through suffering. Esther was a young woman chosen to be queen in a pagan, to a pagan king, but she was faithful to God. She had courage. She put her life on the line to save her people. Now, those are just a few examples, good and bad, but each one of them, especially those of you that know the Bible, some of you may not be Bible students and uh, those names may be new to you, but to most of us, they're names that have a reputation. And when that name is spoken, then our thoughts concerning that person comes to mind by what they did, by how they lived, and, my friend, how they were either faithful or unfaithful to God. So, when somebody mentions your name, what thoughts come to their mind? You know? I mean, that's what, that's what it means by having a good name. Used to be that a man was as good as his name or his word. You could depend on it. I remember one time I, I was... Uh, I was in need of a home. I had no job. I was uh, leaving the congregation where I had been pastor. And there was a good friend of mine in that congregation who offered to help me. And when he made his offer, uh, I assumed he was, he was making an offer for me to be able to make a down payment on a home. And I had nowhere to go. And I had nothing to go on, to tell you the truth. And he made that, and he said, how much are you going to need? And I said, $3,000. Now, this is, you know, 60 years ago, and $3,000 was worth a little bit more than it is today. I told somebody the other day, Walking down the meat aisle in the grocery made me a vegetarian. <laughs> he offered me, I asked for 3000 And when I asked for 3000 he said, no, I'll go all the way. And so I assumed by that that he meant he would loan me enough money to buy a home. And I said, $15,000. Now, in that day and time, $15,000 bought me a three-bedroom brick home on two and a half acres. So I don't know what it would be worth today. Maybe $250,000, $300,000 today. But when I said $15,000, he said, yes or more, whatever you need. And I looked at him and I said, brother... I have no collateral. 
I have nothing, nothing to back up that kind of a loan. I have no collateral at all. You know what he said to me? Your name is good enough for me. Now I'm going to tell you, a good name can be a valuable asset in all relationships. Not only in the church, but in all of our relationships and dealings with others. A good name can prove to be a very valuable thing. I'm going to move on. Another point I want to make this morning is that we must aim at having a good reputation with non-Christians. Our aim can not only be to have a good reputation among our fellow believers in the congregation where we worship or in the fellowship of which we are involved. We must aim at having a good reputation with non-Christians. The unsaved world judges the church and thereby the truth of the gospel by the character and conduct of both its leaders and members. The unsaved world, the way they judge the truth of the gospel is not by reading the Bible. (laughs) Very few of them do that, friend. Very few, if any. They don't judge us by the truth that we preach by reading the Bible, but they judge the truth that we preach by the character and conduct of the spiritual leaders and the members in the congregation. To me, this is a very important principle. It's a very important principle in the Word of God. And I want to impress it upon your mind here this morning. First of all, I begin by saying that church leaders must have a good reputation with outsiders. In 1 Timothy, the third chapter, the Apostle Paul was talking about the office of bishop, which today we we would call pastor. He also secondly talked about the office of deacon. And he, he gave some general requirements for those offices. And he said, let it first be proven before they accept the office. And so he is talking about investigating these things to see that they're true. And not just accepting somebody because we like them or because they're a good person. 1 Timothy, the third chapter in the seventh verse said, Moreover, he, and this is in the context of qualifications for a bishop, but it would apply to other offices in the church. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. A good name is absolutely essential and necessary to be useful in the kingdom of God. Leaders, people who are leaders in a congregation, in various levels of leadership, but leaders must be careful to maintain a good reputation. Somebody said, how do you do that? By living above reproach. Must have a good report of them which are without, lest they fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. It's, you got to maintain a good reputation by 
living above reproach. Somebody said, well, first of all, let me say this. This is talking about your manner of life since you were converted. What you've done before you were converted does not count very much for your reputation as a Christian. But what you have done since you have claimed Christ as your Lord and Savior, that counts, my friend, into the evaluation of your character. I don't know why this is going down so hard, but he said that you must have a good report to them which are without. And that means outside the church, non-Christians, unbelievers. And what he's talking about here is how we're going to live out here with, among the unsaved. You can maybe live pretty good while you're in worship service and treat everybody. And even outside, you might treat everybody in the church with uh, kindness and, and treat them right. But then you don't care how you treat people that have nothing to do with your religious worship, your service in the kingdom of God. It, it matters, friend. It matters. If you would cheat somebody... And suppose you had a used vehicle you was wanting to sell. And you would cheat somebody in a way of somebody that's not connected to the church. They're, they're just an outsider. They're unsafe. You'd treat them in a way that you wouldn't treat a member in the church. If they was a member in the church, you'd be careful to tell them about any defects in your used vehicle. Right? Right. Because if you didn't, if you, if you sold a used vehicle somebody in the church and you knew that the transmission was just about ready to go out and you didn't tell them, you don't think that would affect your reputation? Honey, believe me, it would. But you do it because the person's the outsider. Has no effect on your reputation in the church. But it does have an effect upon your reputation, believe me. And Paul said that church leaders must have a good report or a good reputation among them which are without. I remember reading of an old Church of God pioneer in the northwest part of the United States. I forget how many congregations he established. Somewhere 30 or 40. I mean, he, he established Church of God congregations all over Oregon and Washington. He was one of the uh, old pioneers. I got to meet his daughter one time. Uh, he wrote a book, or she did, about him. And I got to meet her at God's Acres years ago. She's probably not alive now. But I remember reading in that book of an incident in the town where he pastored, and there was a Jewish man, I forget what, he, he runs some kind of a store, I, I don't remember all those details, but this one thing I do remember, 
that he came in to pay a bill. And, and the uh, fellow said, the store owner said, I think you already paid that. He said, well, I don't have no record, and you don't have no record. He said, but he said, I, I think you already paid it. He said, I want to pay it again. And he told the man, he said, I'd rather pay a bill twice as not pay it at all. I like that. That shows character. That shows integrity. How many people are there in this audience that would have said, okay, and went their own way? And you know what that unbeliever, unbelieving Jew said? He said, called him by name, and said, if every Christian lived like you lived, I'd be a Christian. We have a we have a responsibility to the unsaved, right? And then he said, you got to have a good report of them which are well, lest you fall into reproach. And the word reproach here referring to, uh, it means to incur disgrace, uh, dishonor, or scandal of some kind or another. And he says that, This is a snare of the devil. You know what a snare is? A snare is a trap. It's a quick trap. The animal unconsciously gets into it and boom! It's caught! The devil sets snares to catch you. To catch you. The devil sets traps to discredit Christians before unbelievers. If he can discredit you in the eyes of unbelievers, your ability to win that person is zero. I'm telling you, your reputation, how you live, my friend, really does count for something. Not only for you, but for him. For God. Because when you take God's name and profess to be a Christian and you do something, it doesn't only bring a reproach on you, it brings a reproach on the name that you've taken. New Testament tells us that. This concern of having a good reputation is essential to the, to the protection of the church. You know, I'm going to mention something. I'm not going to take time to explain it. But there's such a thing as abuse of forgiveness of one of our own members. Abuse of forgiveness of one of our own members. And by the abuse of forgiveness, I mean we overlook it. Just go on. We say, well, we've forgiven them. But if you forgive somebody without proper repentance and correction of their ways, you do more damage by your forgiveness than you realize. Sometimes, blameworthy persons, my friend, are accepted by the church. 
while the consensus of the outsider is that they are unworthy of confidence and respect. What I'm preaching about here is to guard the church against these dangers. Amen? Because if we lose our witness for righteousness, integrity, honorable things, holiness, if we lose our reputation for that, (laughs) we might as well sell the building. Believe me. Believe me. I have seen some things in my life. I've got to move on. The world generally, now listen to me, the world generally respects a person of good character, but not always. Not always. But generally speaking, the world respects a person of good character. But on the other hand, they are unrelenting in condemning anyone whose practice is at variance to their profession. Many believe that the outsiders have no right to interfere into any church matters or any church action. That the opinion of unbelievers should carry no weight. But that's not true. That is not true, friend. Believe it if you want to, but it's not true. The opinion of those without are useful in holding the church accountable. Amen? The opinions of those outside. I had something happen yesterday. My son, I go, my home congregation is where my son pastors. And, oh, within the last month, he's preached to a couple of messages, at least, on personal evangelism and how that we are to try to to influence uh, those around us, those who we come in contact with. Now, I've been praying about that and, and asking God, I live in a neighborhood where uh, there's three neighbors, men, three neighbors that are very helpful to me. And I have a very good uh, relationship with them. And I, none of them are saved. They don't go to church. And I've tried my best. I've prayed. And I, I, when I'm with them, uh, sometimes talking to them and so on, I try to find an opening to talk about the things of God. Yesterday, I had problems with my mower, and I didn't know how to fix it. But my neighbor did. He, he used to work in a, in a mower repair shop. And he said, I'll come over. He come over and got my mower, took it, and worked on it for about an hour and a half, fixed it all up. I mean, I, I can't wait for the grass to grow to try it again. <laughs> But as I was talking to him, I offered to pay him. And sometimes when he helps me, uh, I don't give him anything. Other times, well, what I'd done, I made a promise to myself that every other time he helps me, I'm going to give him $20. 
Sometimes he's hesitant of receiving it, but I'm persistent. I make him take it. And he said, I don't need that, and I don't want... I said, I want to. I told him, I said, I never, never, never want to take advantage of your generosity. And I'd say, tell him, hey, take this and buy some gas for your mower or whatever you need. But yesterday, I offered to pay him again, and he, he wouldn't take it. I called the mower shop, and they said it would be $85 an hour. And I told him, I said, I'm willing to pay you what I would have paid them. He said, no, no, no. He said, I don't want anything. And I said, I am in your debt. I am in your debt. You've been very good to me. And he said, well, he said, I don't want your money. But he said, would you pray for me? That's the first time he's ever mentioned anything about God or prayer. Now, I, I have personally gave him my testimony when I had the opening. I've told him how God saved me and so on. But that was such a blessing to me. And I told him, I looked at him and called him a name and I said, I'm, I'm already praying for you. You know, I... I've already got a down payment on what he asked me to pay him, and that's prayers. I don't know whether you realize it or not, but you got to win people's confidence before you can win them to the Lord. And if you don't treat people the way you ought to treat them, my friend, you're never going to win them. I've got to go on. The opinions of those that are without the church are useful in holding the church responsible for their actions. When we defy public opinion in a superior spirit of pride, spiritual pride will only discredit us and bring reproach. Somebody said, I don't care what them unseeple Saved, I am a child of God. Watch it, friend. Pride goeth before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. When we defy public opinion in a superior spiritual pride, we will pay a price. We will pay a price. God help us. God help us. The church can only, my friend, achieve success by first gaining the confidence and respect of those who are without. When the behavior of the church or its leaders is such that outsiders are turned off from hearing the gospel. It ought to alarm us, awaken us. It ought to, my friend, cause us to correct our ways. Philippians, another verse, excuse me. 
I'm going to tell you, I know some people are never going to heed what I'm saying here this morning. But what I'm telling you is absolutely true, friend. It is absolutely, I have no question in my mind that what I am preaching is what God's Word teaches. Philippians 2, verse 15. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you sign as lights in the world. We are to be blameless. That means faultless. That means, my friend, uh, live above reproach. That nobody, nobody can justifiably point a finger at you. They may point a finger, but there's no justification for it. Without rebuke, so that no one, my friend, can rightly accuse you of wrongdoing. We will then shine as lights in a crooked, perverse, twisted world. Here again, the principle to live above reproach before them who are without. Colossians, the fourth chapter, fifth verse. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without redeeming the time. I'm tearing up and I only got one eye. And it's making it hard for me to see my notes. Walk in wisdom. That means behave wisely. Use wisdom in our dealings with non-Christians. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without. Give, never give the unbelieving any reason for valid criticism or condemnation. One more. 1 Thessalonians 4th chapter, 12th verse, first part of it. That ye may walk Honestly towards them that are without. Uh, The word honestly here means honorably. It means honorable conduct. Conduct that wins respect and confidence. Something that is done properly, decently, and appropriate. Something above reproach. Observable behavior. What the unbelieving sees. That kind of behavior, my friend, wins esteem, appreciation, and trust. In all these passages that I've read here this morning, the principle is the same. The reputation, listen to me now, the reputation of the gospel is bound up with the behavior of those who claim its saving power. What people think of the message of the gospel and the message of the Bible is bound up, not in, in so many words written on pages, because people, people that's unsaved, they ain't going to study the Bible to see the, the truth. They're going to they're come to their opinion whether your religion is a true religion or not or whether, 
what you believe is true or not, they're going to come to that judgment by what they see. They can't see your heart. The only thing they can see is what you do and say, right? Your behavior is bound up in the claims of the saving power of God's word. Your reputation is valuable. Another reason it's valuable is because all relationships of life are really built on it, you know? If you lose your reputation in your own home, suppose you're a father and you lose your reputation among your children of being a loving father because of how you live. It's going to affect your relationship with your, well, your wife, your children, right? I could go on, but I'm not. In fact, well, I'll do that. I'll leave that some other. But the Apostle Paul did deal with relations in the home. And he, he told women how to live and And then he gave the reason. He said, so that the word of God be not blasphemed. He told men how to live. What kind of father to be. Women, what kind of wife and mother they ought to be. And he said, so that the word of God be not blasphemed. You know what that means? We ought to live in such a way that people won't, won't say Bad things about God and the things of God. Reputation can be built on one act. You know, you can have a good reputation and it don't take long to destroy it. You can have a good reputation for years and it don't take long. In fact, sometimes it just takes one act. Destroy your good name. If that act is one of magnitude, such as Esther's, there's only one act that we know about Esther, right? And that was her courage to go to the king in behalf of the people of Israel. Just one act. But she gained her reputation by one act. Herodias, on the other hand, she was the one that schemed to have John the Baptist put to death because John the Baptist preached that it was unlawful for her to be married to the man she was married to. And Herodias, that's that's just one act. She had John the Baptist killed. But everything we think about her is tied up in that one act. person who says, I don't care what others think of me, is both a fool and will live to regret his or her words. Now you may say, I don't care what others think of me. Live a little longer, friend. You're going to regret saying that and believing that. You're going to throw away one of the most valuable things you have. And that's what others think of you.
Let me ask you in closing, does your name produce respect, confidence, and trust? In a, in a crowd such as, let's just suppose we was going to eat a meal here, an afternoon meal and have time for, and the people at your table uh, or any table, your name is brought up. And they mention, I'll use myself, and they say, Kenneth Yoder. What, what, does, that, what does that name produce, you know? What, what, what thoughts does it produce? What's the evaluation, the estimate that people have when they hear your name? Is your name worth more to you than profit, pleasure, power? Actually, how much is your name worth to you? <laughs> what did you sell it for? What would you sell your good name for? Huh? What would you give up your good name and sell it? What did you sell it for? Thousand dollars? Ten thousand? Hundred thousand? A new Corvette? What's your name worth? What pleasure? What pleasure out here? What pleasure is it worth? Losing your reputation to have it. Power. You know, in the world there's power struggles, but I've lived long enough to tell you there's power struggles in the church too. But what would you, to get a position... To get authority, to get power in life, whether in the church or out of the church. What would you give up? Your good name to get it? Now listen to me. If you have a bad reputation, live it down. We can't go back and correct. I mean, if the bell's been rung, you can't unring it. If you've done it, you've done it. It's done. You can't change that. It takes repentance, friend. You know what repentance is? It's just saying, I've done wrong. I'm sorry. I've done wrong. And to say it without Defending it without bringing up all kinds of things that try to mitigate your just just say I, 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 I'm wrong I'm wrong believe me people will accept that if your following actions show that you really are sorry and when you're sorry repentance has sorrow. But repentance also is a deep enough sorrow that you quit what she's doing. If you have a bad reputation, live it down. And if you have a good reputation, listen to me, saint of God. Listen, listen, 
If you have a good reputation, guard it carefully. The Satan is going to set traps for you. He's going to have snares out here. And if you get blinded by passion, by a desire for money, by a desire for power, of prestige, if you get blinded, you're going to walk right into that trap and the thing you're going to lose is not something tangible, but something that's intangible. You can't see it. You can't, you can't feel it. You can't hold it. But it's your good name. The loss of a reputation must be gained by repentance and living holy for as long as it takes. Father, I delivered a few thoughts here to these folks this morning. It was on my heart. And dear God, I pray for each one that heard what I said. I pray for them that, Father of Heaven, that my words, which are really principles of your word, would Move them. If they have a bad bad reputation, if they've lost their good name by some dealing in the church or outside of the church, they've lost their good name. Help them, Father of Heaven, to repent, to ask forgiveness of you and to anyone else that is involved And help them then to be willing to live it down. To live it down. I pray for those that have a good reputation. There are people in this congregation, Lord, that have been faithful for a very long time. I ask that thou would help them to guard the reputation well. Satan is a master at setting traps. He's a master at blinding people. And then they walk into the trap. And then once it's done, it's done. And the, some tried to escape by some other means, but there's only one, and that's to repent and live it down if we've lost our good name. Regain it. I ask that thou will bless each one in the hearing of thy word in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We'll sing a couple verses of song. Page 31. In your small books, page number 31. Would you live for Jesus and be always pure and good? Would you walk with him within the narrow road? Would you have him bear your burden, carry all your load? Let him have
I'm through. I've delivered my soul. Uh, I was glad for the opportunity to come here this morning, but I also came uh, with some anxiety because of the responsibility I feel. I feel a responsibility first to God and second to you to tell you the truth and I've done the best I know how this morning now I'm relieved it's yours <laughs> and you can do whatever you want to do you can make whatever choice you want to make I hope that you'll make the right choice because believe me I'm going to say this and then turn the service back over to Sister Donna. Believe me, friend, if you make the wrong choice, you're going to pay a heavy price. A heavy price. Don't do that. Don't do that. One more verse and then...